In this week's episode of Dirt Road Divinity, Cindy Nolay shares her experiences from more than three decades as a hairdresser, learning how to really listen and hold space for the experiences of others, to a huge, broad, wide-ranging conversation about everything from geomancy to working with structured water to the energetic memory of trees. We talk about the role of neutrality in helping to craft a better world, about creating the world you want to see by working with the metaverse, and about the importance of bees, something Cindy is incredibly passionate about. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you haven't yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that. And uh, if you feel called, like or comment on this episode as well. That'll help other people find this content and hopefully be entertained. Do a little laughing and a little thinking along the way. Thank you. Hello, and welcome back for another episode of Dirt Road Divinity. I'm your host, Lisa Wade, and I am thrilled to be here today with Cindy Nolay talking about spirituality and paths and the the things that are important to us in this fascinating dance (laughs) with the divine. Cindy, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you, Lisa. I'm great. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you're here. Now, you are up in the in the Niagara region in Ontario, and you are one of those people that I have not yet had an opportunity to meet in person, but I can't wait to give you a big fat hug <laughs> because I feel like, you know, over the past couple of years, um, through our interactions, thanks to Zoom and, you know, other online technology, I feel like you're one of those people that I... So enjoy watching your path. I so enjoy the opportunity to interact. You're just one of those uplifting, inspiring, like bright rays of light that just makes me feel better (laughs) when I walk away. So thank you for that. And I know that sometimes that all doesn't come super easily. Mm -hmm. Oh, (laughs) sweetie. So thank you for that. I can return all those compliments tenfold because you are doing it. And so many of us are just like popping our heads in here and there. And so thank you for getting my head out of my turtleneck because it's not always easy. And and I'm not saying it's easy for you, but I thank you so much for doing all your work and being so consistent. And and that's something I need to work on. You're you're very kind. I remember some of our first um, conversations. It's so nice sometimes to to be able to, to meet people and have meaningful conversations that don't have to start with the phrase, this may sound crazy, but... (laughs) You know, (laughs) when you found people that you can just have the conversation and, you know, they get it (laughs) and you've been one of those people for me and I'm, I'm deeply grateful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that the work that, that you're doing in the world and the impact that you're having is often kind of behind the scenes, not necessarily stuff that you've been talking about a whole lot. Um, but yet I also know that your connection with your your spiritual path, your connection with with the divine is deeply meaningful to you. And I would just love to talk a little bit about how it came to be. Hmm. Well, it started all a long time ago on a dirt road. <laughs> Yay! Lots of dirt roads from my past and, you know, just just living life like a little normal kid and normal parents. And, and what, what I had was like a normal little village. It turned out it was like from the 1800s. And, you know, I felt like some parts of us were still living back that way, but um, my house was old and just had, you know, the normal friends. 
schooling for me was like a little bit of a checkout. I think that I just drifted through heavenly and parts parts of me now think that I'm so glad that I wasn't entrained in some of those ways but at the time I sure felt like I'm untethered I actually felt untethered and so you know but nature and playing in imagination and just like a normal kid um muddled my way through you know schooling never I can say I've never really failed anything but um made it through school and I started hairdressing at 17 and part of my story is behind the scenes that you know you'd mentioned um my first boss was actually very spiritual very charismatic Roman Catholic and I'd given myself to Jesus just through her for her work and uh and I had done that a couple of times, even though, you know, my my family was Catholic. My mom converted when she married my, my father from Protestant to Catholic. But I never went to a Catholic school. I went just to regular public school, just with the way, you know, the country would be too far. We just went public school. And so I didn't really know my biblical things like that but I knew that you lived your your life in faith and so I had that parked in my back pocket all along meanwhile I'm doing my regular things like a little wild child sometimes when I was I certainly didn't have helicopter parents let's just say that so there was lots of roads involved in there and um, I'm running into my friends like I was just I was just at a at a gathering and I think that they would wonder who that person was compared to maybe who I am now, because I wasn't always my shiny self back in those days. And I'm not always now, but I try, I can, I can be more that now. And I think sometimes spirit, um, spirit, God pushes you to be that person along the way. And at some point you can't deny it. You just can't deny it. Luckily, you know, I feel like I had a whole team back there and, and something be going on and they're like, oh, wow. Oh, she heard it. She got that message. Okay, give her more, give her more. And so you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just, maybe I was bumping into walls. I don't know. But I managed to get my path, you know, somewhere where I was getting subtle help. It wasn't always blatant and you're in your face, but I, I did have some, some pretty, you know, amazing experiences when I was young. But again, parked those far away and did my little life thing. And then, you know, life would have it that I actually moved here to the Niagara region and uh, wanting to, you know, just be a different person. I think I think I would have been voted the last person in my school to move away from my mommy and my mommy's skirt. Mm. She was a working lady. She didn't wear skirts, but I really was a little homebody. And I was I was afraid and scared of everything. The things that I'm doing now, if you would have told me that I would be even entertaining those ideas, I would have thought you were just drop crazy. (laughs) But but here I am. But I've got lots of stories. (laughs) But hairdressing for uh, 35 years, actually. Well, I can I can take a couple of those away because I retired in the uh, pandemic, Mm -hmm. which was a blessing, actually, for me, because um, hairdressing, you always have your friends and nobody can ever you can't break up with your friends. So back whenever I was uh, working for that lady, she had to move towns to retire. Hmm. So I had that in my mind that, oh, you just can't retire from your friends. So with the, with the COVID and the restrictions and my family being home, then I, I actually closed the doors. But of course, I'll always be a hairdresser. But then that whole thing and spirit makes you, you know, change directions when those kinds of things happen. But um, yes, definitely divine dirt rose in my, in my past <laughs> and future. <laughs> and future. I love that. <laughs> I love that too. Um, 
And thank you for that. You know, one thing that you had mentioned at, at, at one point in our conversations was just by virtue of being a hairdresser. And, and I love my grandmother was a hairdresser and had had a, 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 the beauty shop, you know, in in her home. And I just remember sitting as a kid and the conversations that would go on, you know, in, in the beauty shop and fascinating. And you had said at one one time how your listening skills, you know, were really kind of honed um, during your time as as a hairdresser, and you'll always always be that. But like people skills, just just the ability to kind of read, maybe between the words. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for some reason, I I seem to recall something where, where you were like, "There's something, there's something to this." Um, sure. What a you know one of the things that. Um, as we've had conversations in the past and with, with mutual friends, I know that one of the skills you, you bring, and I don't know if it's conscious or, or otherwise, but this capacity to hold space for other people who are having their own experiences and kind of waking up in their, in their own way. Um, Do you consider yourself a space holder? Is that something you, you seek to do or, I think that that was um, skilled along the way. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I always had, um, after our kids were born, we, I worked one-on-one, like we, I worked from home. Mm-hmm. So I had that wonderful holding the space of privacy. Mm. Like we could talk about anything because it was just that person and me. And I had the variety of the, the woman was my, my main client, but her husband would come and her children would come. And so there was like... I knew inside and out um, and they knew that what's in the vault stays in the vault. And I have the, I hope, I hope nobody ever corrects me on this capacity to remember what was said and to keep it private and to never flow that into the next conversation. Mm. I had a problem paying my fees a bill on time, but I can certainly remember not to say this in front of this person or that person. That was, that was divinely orchestrated. I think <laughs> So yes, holding the space was has, has been so beautiful. And I don't want to bring all, all this as my skills that were put forth. It was their, theirs was brought into my space. I had the wisdom of all of those people for all of those years and their life experiences to be able to compare to mine and the similarities and maybe even the caution to say, oh, I, don't, okay, I don't want that. So, and I'm hoping it was the same way for them. And it was beautiful, beautiful Every, every interaction was like really, really profound and something always came out of it. The hairs on your arm always was reaching out to like spirit saying, okay, and you know, that's truth. Like when your hairs stand up and the, and the etheric field around you gets so thick that you, you know, you're not alone anymore and the lights flash and the radio goes on and, and, and people are like, Ooh, and, and you're like this and you want more. <laughs> and then you know your spirit guys and your your angels are saying they got it they got it give them more so of course that's exactly what happened we got more almost every time yeah. and it was it was wonderful it, it sounds like the hairdressing was almost like the the opening you know the door to just open up to something that was that was even more profound so having said that, um, there is some thought that says that even the royals back in where ancient times wouldn't let anybody touch their hair or their head. It was the priest because they knew that when that person was entering into their space, that that person needed to be 
high enough or at least neutral enough to be able to to be in that space because when you're touching a person you're touching their energy and you know you need to be pure I guess or at least you know or if you're not then that's when people come and go you know that you're not resonating with the same but then again I've had clients for a very long time and oh it's just crazy I'm thinking god you gotta be able to find another hairdresser somewhere else <laughs> and they'll travel like crazy so I, I, have to, I have to extend an apology for like leaving them at COVID but <laughs> but because of that now I am not standing behind the chair I have to do I have to I have to become a little bit bright and shiny mm-hmm. over all those years I've been so busy making everybody beautiful that I really never cared for myself so I feel like this is a whole new time now and I feel like I'm I have time now, so work on yourself a little bit, whether it be external and internal. And I think that a lot of spiritual people like to do the spiritual work, but not the physical work. Yeah. So now I'm, I have to. I'm getting older now, so there's a little more of that happening. <laughs> I hear you more. there. I and I have the time now, so I can't give excuses. <laughs> no more excuses. And, and you know, I've had that conversation so much just recently. The idea that. Sometimes, you know, on the spiritual path, people spend a lot of time living from like crown chakra up, you know, <laughs> let me just, let me live all up here. Um, <laughs> and kind of didn't, not, not denying, but like discounting a bit, the, the, the actual human experience, this, this human body. And um, for, for me, and, and it sounds like maybe for, for you too, possibly, they so go hand in hand, you know, that, that this beautiful human experience being human in and of itself gives us a doorway into also being divine or that divinity you know resting inside and and the need to care for both I think that there there could be two sides of what you're saying exactly so I would think that like it's almost a muscle Mm -hmm. of a spiritual muscle and I felt like that was really easy for me so that was the kind of path I was taking whether you know the physical muscle was a little harder and it was a little denser and I didn't really like the feeling of it but then you have the flip side where there are people that are having a hard time working in the spirit Mm -hmm. because that's a muscle or some kind of you know strength that they don't maybe have so the balance exactly and and I offer people um to always maybe think hey is that a spiritual problem as far as even you know like your mental and your emotional is is that a spiritual problem and if it's too hard for people they don't want to face it so somehow I'm I'm Somehow I feel like I've used that spiritual muscle enough that I feel like that's easier for me than the other way. Yeah, that, that's amazing. You know, one thing that I've consistently been kind of shown over time, you know, once I, once I realized that I could kind of read energy of other people, like during, I only do it when people ask, you know, but during, during sessions or whatever to in, interact with someone else's energy field, um, intentionally and feel what's going on. It's so interesting to me that when there are people who are in dire need of like physical activity, their energy to me feels like um, pinballs bouncing off the inside of their skin, like off the inside of their body. It's just like this chaotic, ah, you know, of, of just needing some kind of a release. And even for myself, I was shown that, um, and this wouldn't apply to everyone, but that for me, when my soul chose to incarnate, it knew, okay, there's there's this incredible capacity to hold light, you know, and to hold high frequencies of light. But it's almost like it tied that capacity to regular physical exercise mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't short circuit my nervous system, like short myself out 
because it would give an outlet for that higher energy to be used. And it's so fascinating to me how I can feel the difference. So when I'm training for a half marathon, for example, or doing something consistently, I feel more spiritual, even though it's my body that I'm working. Whereas those times when I'm feeling like a slug, which is kind of now, you know, and, and not feeling that super um, consistent physical engagement, I, I almost feel like my connection gets a little more muffled mm-hmm. with spirit. Um, and I think everybody's different that way, but but I've definitely noticed that for myself, that for me, the two really go hand in hand in terms of, of how I'm able to, to engage. Yeah, great description. I could see that in myself um, because if you're looking for vitality and if your chakra system for the audience, whether you they'll know that, but you can't just use half, you know, and the battery and not the other half of the battery. So right. when you work with the bottom half of the battery, then yeah, I guess that 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 makes a lot of sense. Good analogy. Yeah, it's it's just wild to me. Um, that grounding. Well, and even. Um, yeah, using whether it's the chakra system, the, the physical body, moving our energy inside to be able to open up greater connection beyond or or inside. However, you choose to, you know, look at where the where divinity lies. You know, some people see divinity lying residing outside of them. Others see divinity residing inside of them. Others see it as both. I'm curious, how do you see it? I mean, where 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 do you fall on that? Yeah, how do I see that? Um, so I, I feel like when I want the purest, and you talked about early before we did the recording, we did a put your ego on the shelf. I put my ego in a rocking chair to read a book because I don't want it to interfere with things sometimes. Mm. And we did that prayer with the girls when they were young. But then in the heart, I think, is where divinity mm. started from. And I think that if it's an expression of, it can be in the physical form, I think it becomes outside of yourself. But before it becomes physical, I think it's it's within. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's maybe it's all, all of you. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's back and forth. Yeah. I love to ponder these things. And 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 I think for some people it needs to start one place and and be able to travel to the other place. You know, for me it probably started outside and traveled more, my understanding traveled more inside once I started feeling more worthy of thinking there's actually divinity in there, you know, rather than thinking the divine can only be outside of me. And I don't know, I think it's probably wherever you start. That's part of the dirt road. (laughs) Well, I would add the mind is the the doorway. So if your mind is not sure where it starts, it could have been living in there all along and then your mind wasn't allowing it to, you know, but it has to grow no matter what. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And mentioning, though, that we don't always do things for ourselves, we'll do it for others. And then when that happens, then, yeah. We had had a bit of a conversation before I hit record for this about about the path and about saying yes and what a difference saying yes made kind of for your unfolding, blooming, however you want to, you know, describe it. but you had mentioned at first it was a lot of saying yes to others mm-hmm. and then it became more saying yes to you in addition to others, you know, not to exclude, but, but the combination. And I just wondered if you'd talk a little bit more about that and about 
this yes and how sometimes the yes is a bit outside your comfort zone. Yes. Well, I think my earlier, just me kind of just bouncing around and just kind of being in the right place at the right time. Uh Um, But then there was these times of faith where you do make things happen. And I remember writing a list of all the things I wanted in a husband and I slid it in my Bible. and, And then all of a sudden there's my list and there's my husband. It was just amazing. And Uh, So he's saying yes to that marriage and then showing up to become a parent was like, that's a turning point for me. I really think that that whole creative process really, really was a turning point. And, and then again, when I, when I mentioned about giving myself to, but to Jesus in my life, I gave that role over. I realized those children weren't just mine, that I was their caretaker and in through the nursery, I was sitting in the rocker pregnant with twins just everybody, I had had one pregnancy with two kids, a golden orb through the nursery, and I'm watching it as I'm dedicating my unborn to Jesus out through the wall, orb. So like, okay, I was there, I showed up. So yes, doing that whole thing, which was pretty, um, pretty filled with ease and grace, because I didn't research a lot it happened so fast everything happened so fast so I didn't have time to research and just everything happened pretty easily yes you put in the work yes you do what you need to but I was always one step ahead of some of the things that they said that could happen as an older person I was you know 28 and with twins um, but I did say yes you know it's a whole thing like that and raising the children was really busy and then when I really got to change from how my hairdressing was going to be, you know, a step into another place. I mean, it wasn't scary being a hairdresser, but it certainly was scary doing some of the other things that I thought. So this, this lady, I'll I'll have a story for you. My first time that I really was changing my study and I was studying for a long time. Like we knew like the year, the 2000 kind of came around and the 2012 kind of came around and you're wondering, okay, there's something happening in the, I was getting my information online still, but it so was so in the in in the future, in the future, in the future. And then, of course, now 2020, when you're going online and you're looking at conversations, it's now. So before that, though, this this lady said, you know, her her house was a certain way, the energy in the house. She had a child that was ill, a, a, a toddler, a baby that was ill, and asthma, and the ba- the boys didn't want to go to the basement. So I was just looking for meditative skills. I was looking for um, recordings that I could, you know, listen to that would balance my brain hemisphere so that I could be a little better uh, meditator because it was really hard. You know, the chatter thing, you think you have to stop the chatter. Chatter's not going to stop. So I used that tool. And then I realized there was this whole information and it's called um, geomancing. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people, like I wasn't looking for that, but I knew about dowsing and I knew about the willow stick and finding the water and the whole thing. But this lady was saying, you know, my child's sick. My other three boys are not wanting to go to the basement. And I said, six weeks, she'd come back for another haircut. And I'm like, still haven't done anything. I really think I can help you with that. I, for some reason, I'm finding this weird information. So I said, yes. And I took this course and it was, it was from like a lady from Europe and and then the whole thing is you have to do all of those things to your home before you go outside and do anybody else energetic field. Nature will show you when you know what you're looking for. And it's not magic, but I have like those, actually I have them out here. I, so, you know, we have like the metal rods, mm-hmm. two of them to kind of find what, where these lines are in the earth. So I had done these steps with her and 
the hedge on the edge of her property had a spot that wasn't growing. And I had said, Oh, like the kids run through here. She goes, Oh no, no, that's never, that's never grown. Turns out when the energy water line goes through there, those particular trees don't like it. So they didn't grow within that two feet went right over into her home. And whenever you have a concrete foundation and you put it into the ground and there's those energies that are in the earth are not like moving around freely. They're now in this container bouncing around a lot like those balls that you maybe have mentioned inside our body. Yep. And so maybe the exercise is a way to like connect to the earth and, you know, so that right under his crib. And it turns out that, you know, I had kind of bounced that off. And next thing you know, next haircut was so much better. Maybe it was his haircut after he's better. And I took him off all of his asthma medicine. No. So I ignored it a couple of times and then I got down to business and then that whole thing is like wow that happened and she says and my boys will play in the basement now it's not scary down there anymore so if there's water vibrating at a certain frequency and humans don't like it and when we use this with feng shui all the time we almost everybody uses that household word now from feng shui which is where if your bed is is on water you know move it around and then you'll get a better night's sleep mm -hmm. so the water under a space, like if you're at your office and you're spending eight hours a day there or more, we don't like that. We're not getting that vitality. And so moving the desk, moving the, the bed is a really good idea. But if you have somebody that can find that water, then it can all that work can be done on the outside of the foundation. So that so those are the things that I did. Not that it was haunted. It was just that that, that they didn't like that frequency. And we know that, you know, horses don't like that frequency either. I did some work in a barn an amazing, amazing, I mean, wild. You'd think I lost my last lid. <laughs> but then there's another story, the one I said yes for my kids. Mm. So I did the dowsing at this, at the geomancing at this barn, not really knowing what I was doing. I just, I had read this serious book about um, the Tao of the Equus and how like they're just so smart and you know you're sitting on their heart chakra I'm thinking okay if they're happy then the ride is going to be happy and then mom's going to be happy because you don't want any kids falling off horses so I had done some work outside the barn and then I was alone in this arena with this person that I not the horse girl my I not the horse girl the girl's taught me to to be tolerant and to appreciate but I was afraid in there with these horses and this one little pony was outside. He comes out from the sunshine on a nice sunny day to come back into the barn and ran right over right in front of me into and went, swear to God, lightning strike me right now to where I put the last copper cure. And he went right to that. He did not see me. He was outside. Wow. Came in, jumped in, ran across. And I'm telling the barn owner, oh, there's another pony in here. Like, uh, don't leave me alone. She goes, oh my God, that that lazy Dallas came into the barn. And so, you know, she had a sense of proof too, because why is this horse coming and, and sniffing out the last cure? It's, it's called a cure. Mm -hmm. So those are things that made me think, okay, wow, you know. Something's going on here. Something's going on here. One of the things I really appreciate is that um, you hold this, this capacity to work with the energies of the earth, to work with the energies of the water, to recognize uh, the energetic needs or preferences of animals. Um, we've had a conversation about trees and about bees and about other things, which I hope we'll get to, and also hold this deep reverence and, and like 
really valuable to you relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and, and with that, with your faith system. And you see those as working together. Mm-hmm. Because I think some challenge, you know, in society, sometimes it's if you if you're into this stuff over here, if you talk energy and cures and all this jazz, then clearly you can't be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Not even possible. You know, you're, you're doing pagan, weird, wiki, witchy mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And um, so how, how did that all come together for you? Because I, I truly appreciate your perspective on on all of this. So I can I not making any excuses for what we have as rules as any kind of organized religion, but I can see the caution mm-hmm. for sure. I can see the caution because there is a certain amount of ethics that are involved with anything like, mm-hmm. and just read something online that, about dowsing for a lottery ticket. And, you know, I'm putting on ethics are involved. Like, you know, or, you know, it can't be saying, did so-and-so say that about me? And you're using your whatever tool to find out because those things, that's not ethical. Right. And there, there could, and, and if you're, but I can do it, it must be okay. Well, we can do it, but it, it is it beneficial really? Right. So the whole idea is just to hold your intention. And I, and I even have, you know, without inside my house here, I have a great support system. So I, that's where I've been able to grow to thank God for that. But outside, you still have that little twitch when you talk about dowsing, because that's what they were taught, right. you know, about, about finding out, did so-and-so say this about me, or, you know, whatever, I'm just using that silly example. But there is caution. And so I needed to be discerned, like really be discerned, and also to know my skills. And so that when, and that's what they said about do your own practice at your own house before you go anywhere else, because you need to live within that elevated vibration. So you can stay there when you're dealing with nastiness, that's not always high vibration. It's not always, it's not always, it doesn't mean that underground water is evil, but negative will attract negative to attract negative. And, And then all of a sudden now you've got people that are living in a space with low vibes that are now starting to feel like they are living. And then you bring in awful things like unethical things, porn, whatever, you know, and it it brings you down. So yeah, I can see why there's caution, but we also have to remember Jesus has always been around before those people who ran his church and, and, you know, his own disciples failed him on him a few times. So he's fully expecting humans to fail us all along, but not to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, like take what you want out of it and make sure you know that there are many faults, but that doesn't stop you from breathing. You keep going and you try to find your truth and nobody else is going to be able to teach you that you have to learn from your own experience. So just boiling this whole thing down to like helping animals and what have you. Um, and the water, the, the definitely the reverence to water and underground and drinking it. So those are a really good combination as far as the things that I put my focus on. Mm-hmm. So I think we've all been duped really when we do some kind of water treatment in our house. And, I, and I've done it where you try this and you try that, you try it and those are the waters you're not supposed to have. And then I was looking for like the most up and coming, you know, what does NASA use next for water treatment when we moved to this house? And I realized that it was like old age, old, old fashioned water. Hmm. And how do you get that through my city water? Well, it's called structured water. And there's many, many names for structured water. 
it's inside our cell. It's called gel water. It's called cell water. It's it's structured water is is anything living, you know, in a nice river, in a nice stream, anything that's kind of you know coming up and still moving, and um, melting ice. So structured water is it has extra hydrogen bonds to it. So it's the angle of this. So it's lighter and it has less surface tension, and you can get gadgets. But I want to say clearly that water is the device. Mm. It is. So I have I have a page that I have is like, you know, I'm trying to say water is the device. But until we can let water do its thing, because it's going through the ringer for sure, then sometimes you need help. So you know. Uh, Rudolf Steiner uh, with the with the um, biodynamics. You stir, you know, you stir the water and you get it going. And then, so it's been around. It's many, 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 many um, different names. Yeah, they call it bulk water. But what happens with our water, whether it's through any any source, if it's going through a straight pipe, then it's not the living, you know, meandering through the riverbed like it used to. So it's no longer vital, and it's no, it doesn't have that light in it anymore it wants to and it doesn't take much to get to get that to to respond so this structured water is a device that spins the water back through your main water main or or you can even use it just like for a portable you don't have to do your house and in this one particularly it was handcrafted in austria so that's really cool and it had like some gold you know filaments on it and some crystals with the minerals so back to the river, this, the water meanders through the river and it bounces up against rocks and it collects minerals. Now, water's first mandate towards itself is to collect its own molecules with minerals. That's first and foremost. So heaven forbid we're drinking a bottle of water that doesn't have minerals in it. The water starts to take the minerals from our own mouth, from our body. Have you ever had the sensation where you felt like you had like metallic water? Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's the minerals leaving the river to get back into the water because it needs the minerals. Fascinating. So those kinds of waters are starving, like they call like thirsty water, starving water. So the structured water has been huge in my life. It took about three months. I'm just going to throw that date out there. I got it four years, whatever the July 13th on a Friday was. was okay. It four years ago. I think it was four years ago. Anyways, we'll, we'll look back at my unit. Took a little while to get it um, put back in. The plumber was kind of like, what? But he actually kind of knew what I was talking about to get it on the water main. Mm-hmm. And I had to sell it to my husband, who's an engineer. So I spent three, four months making all the spreadsheets and the information and trying to tell him why this was. And uh, so anyway, he said yes. And uh, so then I started getting dreams about water. One of my dreams, I was in my hometown church and everything was sepia color, you know, like those old photographs. And then we were standing up for some reason. It was just myself, my husband, and my two children. And then next thing you know, there's this cloud in, in the church, my where I was all got through all my sacraments. Um, and we were married there too. Um, this silver lining cloud came in the church. And I'm like, what's going on? And it looked like, you know, like the pillows with the tufts in it. Uh-huh. So it kind of looked like a pillow. And then you look closer and it looks like, you know, it has like the, the circle and it has like six around it. So it's kind of like a structured water molecule kind of cluster. Mm. And so that I, in my dream, I'm heading up there head first. And, and this is where I'm entering into union with the structured water. So I think it took me a little while to become structured. And after that, you know, you just feel so good. I mean, I have my water here. I, 
I drink it so much. So in the cell, everybody's cell, it is structured water, but it takes an amazing amount of energy to produce the structured water. And once anything is in the cell, it's no longer physical, it's, it's energy. So, you know, any food we eat, by the time we get to the cell, it's not even food anymore, it's energy. And, you know, like in the, in the, those stories where they say that all they did was, you know, eat uh, sunshine, like the, what do they call it? Um, breatharians? Breatharians, yeah. Breatharians. Yeah. And we know when we go to the forest and we're absorbing all of that, like it's, we're absorbing the light. Mm-hmm. So with this whole thing, with, with these, these clusters, this, this water is all clumped together. And we only have one little spot in our cell, it's called an aquaporin, to receive one tiny little molecule at a time. Mm-hmm. So if we're drinking all this water that's too big to get in, then your, your body's like, well, maybe next glass of water, maybe next glass of water. Finally, you get in there, and then you're actually, you're, you're, your cell's able to, to work on its fuller capacity because it's now hydrated. Now, when we drink water, our, our uh, bloodstream gets hydrated easily because it's it's not such a tight hole to get into. But they say that 75, 70, forgive me with the numbers, amount of uh, elderly in the emergencies are because they're dehydrated. But then, you know what? They lose the, the signal that actually tells them they're hungry, they're thirsty. It's amazing. Like it's your primary source of you know, sustenance, and then you don't even lose that signal. That's how far from grace we've fallen in certain times. Mm-hmm. So the structured water is is really amazing. And you can't really measure it in the, the chemical tradition. Mm-hmm. If you measured in it, uh, I'm going to go back to um, homeopathy. Have you ever heard that when those scientists go and they, they go to homeopathy and, and they're like, there's nothing in it but water. It's because they're trying to measure it chemically. But if you measure it like with um, the, the um, light quotients with photons and you can see, oh, yeah, it's, it's energy, it's light. And that's it's the same thing with the water. You know, I had for, I don't know, this was probably 15 years ago or something, kept receiving these messages when I would be in meditation or journaling. And it was water is the plasma. Like, I don't know what the hell that means, but water is the plasma. And even had a friend you know, call me up out of the blue one day and she was like, I got a message for you and it's just water is the plasma and I don't know what this means. So that's one of the reasons when you, um, when I saw you talking about structured water, I'm like, okay, what is there to this? You know, the last conversation I had for Dirt Road Divinity, we, we did get on um, a path where, where the um, Teresa, who I had interviewed, was talking about water, um, like one of the reasons she loves the beach is because that flow of the water just so replicates the flow of the divine in our, in our lives. And it seems like the metaphors are pretty, pretty extensive, you know, that we can use for waters or rivers or streams or springs or whatever and um, flow and divine in our lives. But, but this is sounding like something very, very physical um, and a way to connect that, that divine stream almost like within the very heart of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's that's exciting. Yeah. I, I wanna I'm gonna write that down and look for the plasma idea. So I think like with around the smashing water of the of the ebb and the flow, then the vapor, like you know, even the stuff that we have in our sky is still a form of water. So mm-hmm. that that lighter element in the hydrogen that comes out of this water, it's a it's a light element. So it wouldn't like yeah. Plasma, you know, that's pretty light. Yeah. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, there's so, 
yeah. to continue this conversation. Um, but the, the idea of the healing nature of, of water, you know, whether it's healing, um, hydrating, but also the potential for, for healing systems, mm-hmm. but that, that water itself, probably I'm guessing is kind of neutral, a neutral carrier. And it carries what, what it's, what, what it's allowed to, to pick up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's negativity or lower energies or lower, whatever, you know, no bias toward that, but I'll carry that. And if, it, if what yeah. it is given is something more positive, more structured, more, more uplifting or, or light mm-hmm. carrying, then it has the capacity to hold that. Um, kind of like air in a way, I guess. I'd like to add to that. Yeah, please. Water, absolutely. Well, we know um, Dr. Emoto, um, mm-hmm. you know, with all his crystals that he froze, like we'll have to get the research. People look into that too, proving that that it has memory. So yes, it will carry and keep any memory, and which is unfortunate because even our city water, it, it, you know, it's going back and then it comes back. And if, you know, it's picking up emotions, it's picking, and we know for chemically, we know that it's picking up people's prescriptions. Yeah. When they're putting them down, you know. Yeah. So so until that water molecule is smashed and imploded back on top of itself, creating that explosion or implosion, then it still will carry memory of whatever. Mm-hmm. And when it gets smashed and it goes, it goes, it will go back to the original message of water, which is what water is meant to do. So maybe it is neutral. Wow. You know, one thing in this, um, I haven't talked about this publicly, so I'm a little surprised I'm getting ready to do this right now. <laughs> but um, there there was was a time uh, a couple of years ago when conversations surrounding pick your ism that we deal with in, in society that is not helpful. You know, um, in this instance, it was racism, you know, sexism, uh, other elements. Um, and from a spiritual perspective, I'm trying to figure out what, how, how can I play a meaningful role in addressing this challenge? Do I need to be out on front lines with, you know, protesting with, with a picket sign to do my part? What is my part? And I kept being told that's not your role. That's not your role. There's plenty of people who are on the front lines right now, you know, that, that that's their role. You have a different role. And I couldn't, so I, I kept asking, kept asking. And um, interestingly, it came back to working with trees and working with water. Mm-hmm. And I found that fascinating that, that for, for me and how I was being guided in the interaction, if I want to make a difference on this, on this issue, you know, going back to Einstein's idea that no problem or challenge is solved at the same level of, of consciousness that created it. Okay. So let's, let's go up a level, you know, a, a level of consciousness and, and address it from a different perspective. Um, but it boiled down to asking and working with the water in such a way mm. and asking it to hold the antidote to all the isms that separate us from each other and from our connection with the divine. Yeah. Yeah. And when I first got that, I mean, that's not something I'm just going to come up with. I, you know, I mean, yeah. I personally... <laughs> I thought that and I thought you've got to be kidding me have I lost my mind you know I think that's so often our first for me anyway first reaction but I'm like I know that didn't come from me and then it's a matter of okay I can't quantify you know or scientifically prove that anything that I'm doing is making any difference but what's the harm in trying and trusting that at least putting out the effort could be meaningful and worthwhile so 
And it gave me something that I'm like, okay, if this is my path and, and this is the thing that I'm to do, cool. You know, it might not look like what other people are doing, but yeah. it felt right and good for to me. Um, but I had never thought about water being able to hold uh, a cure for social ills, <laughs> you know, maybe physical, but social ills really can, can we do that? So your message, yeah. If everybody has sick water inside them, and we are then we're all far, far from grace. Yeah, like really falling far from grace. If the if the you know the main water, if we're like seventy plus percent water, and it's from reused from whatever, not everyone's drinking from a spring. Right. Um, then yeah, maybe we're just so not tuned. Yeah. You might want to, this might be an opportunity for us to do some exploration together, you know, in the future to see how some of this might, might connect, you know, along those same lines. Um, I was also urged to work with trees. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I mentioned in our smaller kind of conversation group at the time about working with trees and you immediately um, said, Hey, let's talk about this. And, And just your, your, recognition because I'm sitting here going trees are you kidding me I'm working with trees really and um you were like yeah trees (laughs) but I took that as a boost of confidence um just because you had an awareness of what I was talking about and it kind of gave me even more fuel to keep having conversations with trees you know and I could still say that now and feel a little nuts saying it but at the time it was the most real thing that, that I, it felt so real. And, and going back to your idea of water holding, having memory and holding memory, what I was shown is that trees hold memory too. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that the place where I was at the time along the trail of tears and during the civil war and during, you know, so many, um, just horrific things that were done, especially around race um, in that particular area, that the trees held the memory of all that. They held the memory of the hangings and the lynchings and the fighting, and and they held all of that. And and that they didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And they they too could be invited to kind of let that go and to clear it and hold more light instead. And those were concepts that I never pondered as being even possible until I was asked to just go do it. Oh, okay. You know, but it's trees or land or water. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing air is probably the same. Um, But the idea of working with our elements in such a way that they can, that they too can heal. Um, And I guess I just never really thought about that before. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's almost like they carry maybe even a human guilt and that they need permission just to let it go too. Yeah. They're witnesses. So about what you were saying that was happening with the isms, Mm -hmm. um, I am in behind the scenes and one of my rules, and it feels the best for me, so I think that's why I said yes to that, is just to to be an observer. Mm -hmm. And, and to, you know, research things and say, okay, so let's just, you know, stay here and then keep the hold the space 
for neutrality so that when it's cleared, nature can put back the energy signature that it needs to. When I say research, you know, you get an idea that's fanciful and you love it, but I actually go and I do the opposite and I look for the opposite so that I could find what's somewhere in the middle. And I sit there and I just, and I just allow myself to go through the emotions, I guess, of things that triggers. And then if you can get yourself settled again, then you just try to stay neutral, at least but that's my role. And then let nature settle in the, the, the original energy signature. So try not to get too wrapped up in news. Mm. I love that. And I love that you put a more active role on observer. Yeah, ha- having been a- an advocate my whole life, you know, my career, you know, started out in politics and then cause advocacy. The thought of remaining neutral in some of the big challenges that are happening now feels like I'm totally, that my brain will tell me, you're totally given up on your causes, you know, the, the fieriest places in hell are for those who remain neutral in times of, of chaos or, or challenge. But my soul, my heart keeps coming back and saying, hold the space, be the observer, see that <laughs> there, there are different perspectives looking at the same thing from different lenses, mm-hmm. perpetuating the condemnation and the consternation is further perpetuating the problem you know and and I have I have wrestled with that because I felt on some level like I'm like I'm not doing enough but I love the way that you just made it a very active process where you know the idea of really researching, really trying to understand both sides and holding space for healing in the middle because right now there's so little attention being focused on any neutral middle. It's all, it's on the wings, you know, on the fringes. Yeah. So when you, maybe in your life, I'm I'm just, um, you know, kind of guessing on this, you were, you know, working on this, but you were kind of working on maybe when you were like less elevated, because, you know, every time you do something, you're, you're, you're growing that way. So, and that's with me too. So if I feel like I'm up here now and I'm looking down, I can see almost a third party perspective and I can almost see like, well, for the audience, we'll say like, that's like a 3D play out. Like that's boots on the ground, media, all those awful things. And I'm choosing to be here on another level, which we could call it 5D or the new earth and saying, okay, I see what's happening down there. Let's just try to be neutral. And, and I try to go through things the best way I can. And I'm sometimes I'm caught from behind and I'm swirling around the, the toilet flush too. But and when I can get up there and above and I can say, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm doing this as a sacred service. Yes, I want to get through this the best way I can. But if I can get it through the best way I can, then it'll leave an energy signature for those that are maybe going through something similar. Mm-hmm. Like the hundredth mon- monkey thing. Because yeah, yeah. Their audience know that, you know, all yeah. of a sudden these monkeys are starting to wash. And like even like Edison and, and whoever else was doing the, the light bulb, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're trying to say, no, I invented it. No, I invented it the energy signature was in a higher plane and they got to draw from it. Yeah. So if we can fit 
some really great outcomes in the at the energy signature of a higher plane, then more people will just, you know, maybe even drop a thread or so. And then that way, if I go through it the best way I can, and then they can go through it. And then, you know, all of a sudden now we're not living down here anymore. We're living up here. Perfect. So that neutral thing and letting nature drop the signature that it's best, not for me to decide whether yeah. it should be negative or positive or whatever. And and that was one of the big things. Thank you for, for that. You know, the idea of that nature too gets to have free will. And mm-hmm. so us forcing ourselves or forcing our outcomes um, is kind of denying. We can invite, we can encourage, we can, we can welcome, but to try to force certain things um, maybe isn't exactly helpful either for others or even for nature. I don't think it's forcing it because I think that kind of got us here. But then I really think that we need to be active. So when we when we write our intentions, you know, I know we've talked about this. this is not new to you, but I'll just say what I'm doing to me. I'll make out an intention of this is what I plan to do, mm-hmm. you know, or even better. And then I write that little clause in there so that God can step in and say, oh, that or even better. Okay, do this. And then I have to stay in there and wait for it to happen because it could be this or it could be that. So, and I love being curious. As soon as you're curious, yep. and you, as soon as you start looking, you're going to see. But if you're so blind and you're not looking, it can be hitting you in the side of the face and nobody's, no, you're not seeing it. So the curiosity, which is something that I had from when I was a child, you know, I had my, my imaginary friend and these poor kids, right? We'll, we'll get to that. These poor kids that are into the school system at seven, like all of these things are happening before seven. And after seven, you are now the person that they've developed. So if we can give our kids back those few years of of imagining and having their own spiritual experience to a point where then they can remember because they're having them, they are the masters at it. But now we've just, we've been just, you know, shredding their brain. So they don't know where to fit it. Well, that's not true. or That doesn't happen. So these little kids, for some reason, I'm lucky that I I did, I did have that experience. (laughs) When I, when my daughter was young, um, I was a working mom. And so I needed, I needed childcare. And the only place in town that had um, five day a week childcare was the Catholic school, like the, the, the Catholic preschool. And it was like preschool. And then I could pay for aftercare, you know, so she could be there from eight to five. And she was having all kinds of conversations with Jesus and Mother Mary and all these, and, and I and her imaginary friend, and I, who wasn't imaginary at all, you know, in our world, he was very real. And um, so I remember having a conversation with, with the teacher at one point, and I said, look, um, Riley sometimes has these conversations, and she experiences the world in such a way that um, I'm encouraging and supporting and I need that to be okay, you know? And her response was, oh, yes, oh, yes. You know, we have this area over here. There were pictures of Jesus and Mother Mary. The kids are encouraged to have these conversations over in this area, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, great. Turns out it was the freaking naughty seat. <laughs> so when kids acted up, they got sent there to confess. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. And so then, like, toward the end, like, the next year, um, toward the end of school, they're giving out awards. And um, how hard is it to find something nice to say about a four-year-old kid, even if they're like a rat on crack running around, ooh, most energetic, you know, (laughs) whatever. And my daughter gets the welcome to my world award with like little aliens and spaceships all around it. And then, but delivered in kind of a snide little sneering 
way to where all the parents are looking at me and I'm like, what the hell? But my daughter comes over. What what broke me is she comes over afterwards and she was like, mommy, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? And I'm like, oh, sweetie, no, you didn't do anything wrong at all. You know, the fact that she had this incredibly vivid world that other people just didn't understand that's not something wrong. That's something to, to cherish and celebrate. But, uh, you know, I definitely saw once she got into, you know, higher up in school that, that a lot of those conversations, um, stopped happening. Yeah. Yeah. But just to see it so bold, you know, I'm like, ah, we're, we're running out of time. So I want to talk really fast about bees. I know you have a new, well, I don't know about new, but a, a passion for, for bees. Tell me about this. Okay. Uh, I don't want to run out of time, but can I backtrack one little yes, thing? Yes, please. want to talk about the metaverse. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Again, we, that's our, our inheritance to be able to imagine a place where we want to live, like real, real true and free. And, and I'm actually doing it. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not special, but they know whoever tech, makes these technologies is that that is something that's going to come organic with us. And that's why they're putting us into this virtual place where we can create everything we want. And I know Barbados is one of the islands where you can go for your fantasy island and such. But you know what? No, 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 no. We're so busy doing that that we're not doing in real life. So mm-hmm. I really caution against playing any, any time in those virtual realities like that, because that's a distraction though. That metaverse is something that we can be doing when we create in our own life. Mm-hmm. But the thing I'm boots on the ground, I'm finding underground water and I'm working with a, um, a farmer and we're already moving some. He's so nice. And funny enough, his mother used to do this dowsing too. So it's wonderful, but to find people, to talk about it, they don't talk about it. You just have to actually meet somebody and then they pour their heart out kind of thing. We're moving some hives. We're putting the beehives right on the, the water line because that frequency is supposed to be for them. They're going to be able to maintain their health, their, their temperature. They'll be able to maintain their grooming and their hygiene. And uh, those mites that are problem all over the world, I pray to God that those mites don't do well on that frequency. And they'll say, yeah, I'm moving away. I'm moving out. So then that, that'll take care of the mites because it sucks off their thorax. It's, it's actually taking their nutrients and their fat right out of these poor bees' bodies. Wow. So we're having a problem around the world doing that. So this, this farmer is so, so um, generous to be able to, to work with me and spending that time in that air of bee, it's kind of like that ocean water. Like it's, it's hydrogen, like it's, it's beautiful, beautiful air. And I can see where, why certain people want to go to those places to absorb that, not knowing what it is, but I really do feel it has a lot to do with that plasma Mm -hmm. and that higher, that higher vibration. Another thing too, we used to talk about our beta, alpha, theta, delta brain waves. Mm-hmm. And dowsers are supposed to be one of the few that use all four at once. Now, all of a sudden, since maybe 2020, we're talking about gamma. So beta, alpha, theta, delta, gamma waves. And I, I associate gamma with plasma. So now we're adding all new levels to our conversation. Mm-hmm. There's more to come. Ooh, and I love how like the different parts of your life have are are coming together so beautifully. Like it was water over here and well, here's an interest in bees, but seeing the water and the bees conversation come together and almost like the two, the two topics collaborating in such a way that's, that's good for both. Yeah. And I'm providing them with structured water for the bees to drink. It's amazing. 
Yeah, so it is. I mean, for something like that, you can file it down to like an actual ap application that people can visualize mm -hmm. instead of like water running through your pipe and becoming structured and calcium's not calcium anymore and, you know, chlorine's not chlorine anymore. But if you can see if bees are responding and they're telling us people, we're sick, you're sick, we're dying we're giving you a peek in what's happening. So, you know, that's why I want to be boots on the ground, another dirt road and dirty fingernails and whatever, getting into like where the bees are and, and proof. People need proof, mm. normal yeah. proof, acceptable yeah. proof. Acceptable proof. <laughs> proof that satisfies their left brain, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm. right. <laughs> Thank you for all that you're doing. And, and all your insights and wisdom and your willingness to continue being curious. I, I really do think that that is the key to so much of this. And maybe when we were urged to be like little children, right? When, when we were told that that's the way um, into the kingdom or whatever, that, that it's this idea of curiosity that's so important. Yeah. And when we, when we approach things with a closed mind or a closed heart, curiosity can't live and breathe in, in that space. So thank you for your ongoing curiosity, your willingness to connect the dots, to do the research, to hold the space and connect the dots in such a way that can have a meaningful impact and outcome for, for many. It seems like the bees are the new, you know, we used to talk about the canary in the coal mine and it seems like the bees are now kind of the, that canary in the coal mine only globally, you know, for, for all of us. And so a willingness to, to look there and see, can we think outside the box as in terms of what would be supportive for their health and longevity and, and sustainability. So thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you too. Now, I know you, I, I believe that you do some, some ind individual work with folks um, and you do a whole variety of things, but if people wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way to, to find out about what you do and, and have a conversation? Well, I'm pretty secluded, but I, I do I do have a social media page, um, and that's just my name, and Cindy Shanor Nole, and then I have one that's, um, well, the Ruby Vision, because I tend to see things that some people might not, and mm -hmm. seeing through things is kind of like what my, my, my get back is that, and then I have another, um, and this is all Facebook, Facebook uh, Wonder Water Device, Wonder Water Device, and then again, Wonder Water Device page. And again, like water is the device, but until, you know, we can have our own fresh spring pop up in the backyard, then there, I have some options that I'd like to share with that. Even if it's freezing, you know, melting your ice cubes, that kind of thing. And uh, my email, cindynole at hotmail.com, cindynole at hotmail.com. Excellent. Then, yeah. Well, I will put all these links and uh, in the show notes. And so I encourage people, if any of this sounds like something that you're intrigued by, want to learn more about, want the chance to, to interact with the amazing Cindy Nolay, you're seriously <laughs> my favorite people, um, I, I encourage it, <laughs> encourage the connection. Uh, thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to share your insights. And you drug some stuff out of me. You didn't know you were doing it, but that, that I hadn't shared publicly and, and that um, maybe it's just time. Maybe yeah. it's just time. So Thank you for your time. Thank you for everyone who, who's listening or watching. I look forward to seeing you again next week. And in the meantime, may stay curious. Yeah. Stay curious. Yeah. And if you want to challenge me, challenge me. I'm, I'm okay with changing my mind and learning something new. Love it.
Love that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Dirt Road Divinity. In between episodes, you can connect with me and the podcast on Instagram or Facebook at Dirt Road Divinity and also on YouTube at my channel, Lisa Wade Alchemy. If you have show ideas or guest suggestions, email me at lisa at dirtroaddivinity.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't subscribed or reviewed the podcast yet, please do so. So you can be informed of future episodes and help others find the podcast as well. Until next time, may you enjoy your own scenic route of the soul.